Hello, and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. This episode is presented by Mental Health America of Wisconsin. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of other people who do as well. We've learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame about their experiences makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. While we were preparing for this episode, we saw a perfectly timed meme posted online. It shows two people, and one asks, Antidepressants? Aren't you worried about turning into a total zombie and losing your personality? The other replies, No, Deborah, I'm more worried about losing my will to live if I don't get treatment. But thank you. And that seems the perfect way to introduce today's episode topic, which is meds. Antidepressants and other prescriptions for mood disorders are one of the most divisive topics in the conversations we have at Giving Voice to Depression. There's the camp of people who believe they wouldn't be alive without meds. Others think they should be avoided at all costs. And then, of course, there's every shade of gray between those opinions. But if you've been diagnosed with depression or are listening because you think the way you've been feeling might be more than just sadness or pandemic exhaustion then the topic of medication is likely to come up. So we reached out to psychiatrist Dr. Jesse Gold and asked what someone can expect from a visit with a psychiatrist, as well as to address some of the common concerns about taking a prescription to manage depression. Here is Dr. Gold giving her voice to depression. When should someone see a psychiatrist to discuss the possibility of meds? And and in your experience, what has typically happened before they come to you and your office? It's a sort of complicated question, actually. And I think, you know, I wish it was really simple that we could say, okay, you have these symptoms, you go here. You have these symptoms, you go there. Because that would make it so easy for people to know exactly where to go. But it's not always like that. I would say that on average, people come to psychiatry when things are a little worse, right? Because medication tends to be something that you need because your symptoms are a little more severe, right? I mean, I think for things like anxiety and depression, in particular. For this episode, we're going to consider psychiatrists primarily in their role of evaluating whether meds are needed and prescribing them when they are. But some psychiatrists also do talk therapy, and primary care physicians can prescribe antidepressants, though that's not their specialty. Psychologists and other therapists often refer people to doctors for evaluation. A lot of the data says that, like, therapy plus psychiatry is the better treatment for depression and anxiety for a lot of people. So that can happen. If you were to come directly to me, I think it would be because the depression or anxiety we're having was just really interfering with your day-to-day in such a way that you were like, 
not able to function or not getting out of bed or not doing the things you want to do. And it just didn't feel like talking would be enough. And there are other common reasons a person might see a psychiatrist, including... You have a family history of it, I think. That could be a reason you might go right to a psychiatrist. Like, my mom has this. It looks the same in my mom. My mom takes this medication. It works for my mom. Should I take that medicine? Um, I think, you know, have you had the symptoms before might be another reason. So sometimes people have had an episode of depression and then they got better, but now this is their second time. Or maybe they had an episode of depression, they were on medicine before, they stopped the medicine because they felt better and the medicine worked the first time. So they might go right to a psychiatrist at that point too. So that could be a reason. And then for something that's not anxiety or depression, so something like bipolar or schizophrenia, someone would come right to a psychiatrist, I think, because we you almost entirely need to have medicine on board for those. Like therapy is helpful in bipolar and schizophrenia, but I think you need to have medicine. Since going to any doctor can be intimidating, and psychiatrists perhaps more so because of all the stigma involved, we asked Dr. Gold what someone should expect, both to take away some uncertainty and to help us prepare for the possible experience. I think first visits for anybody is going to be really just trying to figure out what it's been like for you and how things have been going and trying to understand what your symptoms have been like, what the experience has been like for you, what, you know, what this has been like versus what your baseline was. Like, what were you like before? What are you like now? What have you experienced in your past? And what are you like now? You know, we try to get a pretty good history of, you know, the trajectory of why now and why you're in our office today and not three weeks ago. Um, I think that's really important. Gold acknowledges there's a lot of resistance to meds and by extension, the doctors who prescribe them. There is a bit more of a, you know, comfort with therapy because it has almost gotten put in the wellness sphere and there, you know, is a talk about therapy like, oh, like I'm just taking care of myself and you don't necessarily have to have anything wrong with you to go to therapy. You could just go to therapy. And I think coming to a psychiatrist, people feel more like, well, I have to have a diagnosis. I have to have something wrong. I have to be, you know, admitting that them so severe that I have to go. So I'm aware that a lot of that comes with coming to see me. There is this belief that all we care about is like giving medication, checking up on medication, and that pharma is somehow controlling what we do. I've never met a pharmaceutical rep in my entire life. Like they have mostly been eradicated from our existence. And Gold says she understands all the concerns and hesitancies. She admits psychiatry is imperfect especially for something like anxiety and depression. I mean, it takes four to six weeks on a good day, six to eight weeks more likely for you to start to see things, you know, and feel better. You're much more likely to see side effects before you see any change. That's super frustrating to feel like you're just feeling like nauseous and maybe you're not eating as much, but you have no benefit. Like that's super frustrating. So having to have those conversations and really be honest about that and be aware to say like, listen, like it's a really big step to come and ask for help 
hope. It's really frustrating that our medicines can't work right away. I know that you're here in a pretty low point and I wish that I could make you better tomorrow because that would be what I would want to be doing. So there's that. The facts that meds take a good long while to kick in and they often have side effects. Two of the most common, she says, are weight gain and sexual side effects. So that's definitely a thing. I think, you know, Wellbutrin is the best med, or Bupropion, if I'm going to say something that's a different word for it, is the best med for both of those. So oftentimes people will choose to try that as an early medicine, even though it has a risk of being more anxiety provoking and run the risk of having more anxiety over weight gain and sexual side effects because, you know, you're already depressed. You don't need to also not like your body. You're already depressed. You also don't need to have problems with your partner. Another reason people might put off or write off meds is the belief they don't actually work. I mean, you hear all these really hard stories from people like that have tried a bunch of meds and they didn't work. You've heard it, you know, oh, I tried like 10 meds before I found one that worked or something. And maybe they like their 10th, but it's frustrating to try 10, right? So I think that like that can be hard to hear when you're trying to figure out if you want to even start a process. I have plenty of patients that only needed one, right? But and you don't hear those stories very often because they're not running or around going around like, I only needed one medicine, I'm fine. Or I went on meds and I went off meds and I'm awesome. Like, oh, you don't hear that very often because those people are maybe not the ones that you are hearing as vocally. Another common fear that keeps people from trying an antidepressant, like in that meme we started this episode with, is the belief that meds will change them. But Gold points out change isn't always a bad or clear thing. So I think it is that flat feeling. Sometimes to me, I think that's when, you know, people's personality in a lot of ways can feel associated with their psychiatric symptoms. So if you've been anxious your whole life and then you're not anxious anymore, it feels odd. So sometimes, not always, don't get me wrong, because sometimes people do feel overdrugged and flat and like they don't have emotions on meds. But sometimes too, it just feels odd to no longer have anxiety or to no longer be sad all the time. And so sometimes there's a distinction between I don't feel anxious all the time and I don't know what this is and I don't know myself anymore because I'm no longer that person who's had anxiety their whole life or that person who's also sad most of the time. Like, what is this emotion? Because this isn't sadness. And I'm drugged and I feel no emotion. That's different. But that is a thing for some people. But it's it, it can get kind of messy because it's it's in the same thing. It can be hard to get past all those concerns, especially if we forget what we're comparing them to which is depression, with its own flatness, joylessness, horrible thoughts, anger, isolation, and all the rest of it. And we might not like the idea of having to be on something forever. It's really hard to say, like, well, now I have to be on a med for something forever? Like, this is horrible. Um, But you know, we're not trying to make somebody be on something forever. We're, we're just trying to see if it helps. If it helps, we can try it and then we can try to come off and see what it's like and go from there. You know, once you have had multiple episodes, it sort of is like, 
well, the meds seem to be working every time you go back on them. You probably should just stay on the meds the same time as like every time you go off blood pressure meds, your blood pressure goes back up. Every time you go off diabetes meds, your glucose, it goes out of whack. It's the same thing. They're just preventing another episode by being on them. So like at that point, that's what they're doing. And so they are helpful. Same with anxiety at a certain point. Like it's keeping your baseline anxiety at bay. It's keeping you from having panic all the time. You can try to go off them. I'm never going to tell you if that's what you want to do, that you can't do that. You're a grown up. But I'm going to tell you all the reasons that it might not be the best idea. And we're going to have a conversation about what a warning sign for you might look like and how to pay attention to that and how to come back to me earlier. Remember the distinction Dr. Gold made between feeling different because you're on the wrong med or too high a dosage and feeling changed because your symptoms have improved? Well, here's another distinction about people who believe they're treatment resistant. It's hard to know how many people would be treatment resistant in like actual life if we waited for all of the people to see if the meds worked in the long amount of time that it takes for meds to work and then adjusted doses to max dose, which does not happen for most people because what happens is people will say, well, this doesn't work like pretty quickly at a low dose of a med or they had a lot of side effects and are a pretty somatic person and they just can't tolerate being on some of these meds because they have side effects. They're not like actually resistant. They just can't tolerate the meds, right? Like maybe if they could last with nausea for another two weeks, they'd be okay. But that doesn't mean someone should be nauseous for two weeks. That's horrible, right? So it's it's a tolerability thing. And then there are people who are actually treatment resistant and the meds don't work. In which case, you know, we're trying to find other meds and we're trying to find other things for people to have as options. It's a slow process, but in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, Prozac came out in the 80s, we're doing pretty well. Gold adds that when talking about expectations and misconceptions of prescription medications, there's another less commonly discussed perspective. You know, I think that's another thing is like on the alternative of the stigma with meds is like this belief that like, you can come, I can give you a pill and you're like going to feel better. And that meds are just like magically going to fix your life. Um, or that like your anxiety is going to just like go away or depression is going to go away. Like meds don't take away anxious thoughts for sure. You know, thoughts are something therapy is much better at than meds. Gold says, generally speaking, meds are better for treating physical and mental related things and therapies are better with the thoughts. Some anxiety, she says, is necessary, as is experiencing the full range of human emotions, which is going to include sadness. But it's a matter of degree. But that means you're still going to have emotions. So you need to know how to deal with them and you need to know how to tolerate them and you need to know, like what is going on and why you feel a certain way. And so just because meds make it so when you feel bad, you don't feel as bad or when you feel bad, you don't have weeks where you don't get out of bed. It doesn't mean that you won't feel bad sometimes. And that doesn't mean that you don't need to understand what that means or why you might feel like that. And the therapy part is so essential. And sometimes people really just like, you know, switch meds and they're like, I feel bad, switch my med. (laughs) And you're sort of like, what happened this month? But yeah, I mean, I think that's the other side of meds, which is like people sort of being like, 
please just make this go away. I just want to go back to work. Like, I just want to function. We're not in a culture that talks about feelings. We're not in a culture that wants to talk about our whole historical, like, trauma that got us somewhere. If you can just make this go away with a pill, cool. That'd be good. So I think we also have that where sometimes people want to just come to me first instead of therapist because I could drug it away, but there's not, it's not a, it's not a thing. That is kind of a hope though, isn't it? (laughs) Well, absolutely. Who wouldn't want to just take a pill and feel better? I mean, when I was talking to Dr. Gold, I said our mother calls our antidepressants happy pills. And who wouldn't want to take a pill and be happy? To which she replied, why do we always assume happy is the goal? And the exactly. goal isn't to be happy all the time. It's to experience, again, that full range of emotions, but not get stuck in the horrible end of it. Yep. And there's so many variables, right? I mean, um, I'll share that I recently went off of my meds, and that is in part just to test it to see if I still need it. My stress levels are down. You know, there's more sun this time of year. I'm getting more exercise. I've been sort of sleeping on a more regular basis, and I just thought if I was going to test it now would be a good time to do so. So it's only been three weeks. Stay tuned. But so far, honestly, I haven't noticed any changes. And that's interesting because that's what Dr. Gold said, right? That the people who have those experiences aren't necessarily as vocal about it. Um, And both of us, each time we've tried a med, the one we tried worked, which is really, really lucky and helpful. Um, You know, if we had to go on and off and on and off and on and off half a dozen meds, that would be very, very frustrating and probably make any depression we were experiencing worse. Right. And then you've got, you know, that kind of cocktail of chemicals in your system and how long do you wait and will it get better over time? Did they pick the right medicine? I heard a psychiatrist um, talk about prescribing, well, he was talking about antipsychotics, but he was saying it was like throwing a dart. You know, they just try something and if it works great and if it doesn't, throw another dart. It's a lot. I've heard throwing darts in the dark. Yep. So thank you, Dr. Gold. We appreciate you sort of stepping us through this, putting some of the concerns that people have on the table and addressing them straight up and um, acknowledging the limitations of psychiatry, which is um, important and uh, nice to hear. It is. Thank you, Dr. Gold. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.